Welcome to Mission Connect, a podcast brought to you by Passion to Reach Ministries, designed to equip you to connect with God's mission for your life. I'm Emily James, your host, here with co-host, Passion to Reach's founder and director, Pastor Fanu I Hey, Pastor Fanu, how are you? I'm doing great, Emily, and excited for another Mission Connect podcast. Yes, today we're speaking with a special guest speaker who's actually going to be at our upcoming Go conference on October 13th and 14th, Pastor Mark Clark. That's right. I am super excited, Emily, for this conversation. What a great conversation we had uh, with mm-hmm. Mark. He's at the Go Conference. Uh, so, friends, if you're listening to this, make sure to check out goconference.ca and uh, reserve your tickets today because we're just going to have an incredible time. We've got Christopher Ewan coming. We've got uh, Dr. Leon and Angela Ewan, Christopher's parents, coming, sharing their incredible story of uh, salvation and transformation and uh, how Christopher came to faith in Christ mm-hmm. uh, and his journey is just absolutely amazing. And so is Alan George uh, from LifeChurch.tv and other speakers as well. So make sure to check out the website. But I, I am excited about this conversation with Pastor Mark. Yes, Pastor Mark is the lead pastor of Village Church uh, out in BC, Canada, actually. And if he's anything um, uh, like a speaker in person, as he was on our podcast, then he is going to be. It's going to be an incredible time at the Go Conference. He's going to keep right. us on our toes, laughing right. and engaged in the conversation. So right. um, we're going to actually be talking to him really today about radical change and how to become, uh, you know, really on mission for God, passionate and, and not in a watered down sense, but really living out our call for God. You know, Emily, what fascinated me about uh, Mark uh, was, well, apart from the fact that he's from Ajax, which is your neck of the woods, yes. uh, you know, so he's, uh, he grew up in the you mm-hmm. know, greater Toronto area, yeah. but you would imagine that someone that's pastoring a church that went from 50 people or so to uh, 5,000 weekly in seven years, and 1,100 baptisms, you would imagine they're very, you know, seekers, sensitive, and they're, and what I mean by that is obviously we need to be conscious of skeptics that are in our congregations, but that they sort of water down the message and not emphasize on certain controversial things, maybe, well, not controversial from a biblical standpoint, but controversial to say in our culture today. Uh, but he is the exact opposite mm-hmm. of that. He is so... Uh, you know, intense is probably a word to describe mm-hmm. uh, Pastor Mark. He's very intense and very passionate about the Bible and God and what the Bible says. And he firmly believes that you've got to let the Bible stand for itself and that God uh, will use that to transform people's lives. So listen, if you are listening to this right now, make sure to uh, send someone an email, send them someone a text message, call somebody, ask them to tune in and listen to this podcast because I'm telling you, uh, they're going to be blessed. Uh, by this conversation we had with Pastor Mark. Okay, and we're excited to have Mark Clark from the Village Church on Mission Connect podcast with us today. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. Good to be with you. Yes, we're so thankful that you're on as a guest today. And uh, so everyone that's listening, Mark's going to be one of our featured speakers for Go Conference 2017. That's right. October 13th and the 14th uh, in the Toronto area. And so, Mark, I talk to people about Mark Clark from the Village Church, and uh, Mm. I say to them, have you heard one of the fastest growing churches in Canada, 5,000 people weekly? They're like... Tell me again, where, where is he from? Where is he at? I said, he's a Toronto boy. He grew up in Toronto, right? 
So yeah. for for those who don't know you, Mark, and yeah. uh, uh, out on this in this part of the country, tell us a little bit about your journey uh, growing up in Toronto, your background. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get it. You're you're the pastor of this great church. God's been blessing it, and honestly, listening to uh, what God's been doing there—a move of God, really. In, you know, in yeah, our, yeah, it is. Yeah, He's, but yeah. where did that start? What was the beginnings? Um, where did all of this really begin uh, for you uh, growing up in Toronto? Yeah, yeah, I grew up uh, just outside Toronto in a place called Ajax. So some of your people are probably familiar with it. So a uh, little suburb out there. And, uh, yeah, I grew up non-Christian family, um, no church, no Bible, no God, no prayer. Um, first time I went to a church was this, uh, Baptist church in, uh, Pickering, Ontario. Um, when I was uh, 19, ended up getting baptized, uh, whenever that was 1999, 2000 or something like that, um, in that church. And, um, you know, my family came out and it was all my, you know, unchurched, skeptical friends and family came out and, you know, I'm in this big white bathrobe looking like some angel in some kid's Christmas pageant or some nonsense right. getting baptized. Uh, so I've rebelled against that. Now we only baptize in, you know, skinny jeans and t-shirts in the ocean. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, you know, some guys who are working out, they'll go on in those shirts in February, but um, it's their opportunity. So anyways, uh, so yeah, I moved out, uh, started going to church there, went to uh, Tyndale uh, Bible College in North York uh, for four years at a bachelor's there and then felt called to get into some scholarship. So decided to move out to Vancouver to go to Regent, get a master's degree, and then I was going to move overseas. And um, uh, my desire was to actually do a PhD uh, overseas. And um, God called me to stay in Vancouver, me and my wife. And so we stayed here and did ministry for a few years here, uh, young adult stuff. And then he uh, called us to plant a church in um, uh, 2007. In April, I just remember hearing this very clear thing, like stay in Vancouver, plant a church that's going to plant gospel center churches all across Canada. And I said, but th- that's not the plan. And uh, he said, yeah, I know. Well, you know, I got a plan. So you shut up now. And uh, so, uh, so I did. And so we planted in January 2010. Took a couple of years to get the plan together and gather the people. We had about 16 people meeting in my townhouse, just dreaming about what Jesus could do. And our church sent us with 35 people, an amazing church, uh, sent us with people, sacrificed those people and great leaders. And so we started, uh, started a church here in a place called South Surrey, which is about, you know, 30 minutes outside of downtown Vancouver and a little elementary school gym and just started preaching Jesus. And people started to come to know Christ and uh, get transformed in their life. And the church just kind of over the first couple of years just started to really take off and really hasn't stopped all that much. So now we're, um, yeah, like, like you said, there's a few more people now than there was. And, uh, yeah. And, um, it's, uh, you know, we're just about to plant our first cross province. So we're a multi-site church. We do video, uh, across all the, uh, all the sites and locations. So we have three locations here and nine services between them, but now we're about Mm -hmm. to start, uh, our first cross province. So in Calgary, Village Church Calgary launches this week, this Sunday, actually. And we're working on Village Church Montreal, and at some point, coming to your neck of the woods in uh, in Toronto. But who knows? That's so. awesome. So when you said Ajax, Emily went woohoo because uh, uh, okay, that's where she's from. Uh, really? So what high school did you go to? I went to Pickering High School. 
Okay, yeah, nice. Very cool. I went to Exeter, which I'm not sure is even oh, a school yeah. anymore. I nope, think they shut that place down. down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyways, that was so, my... So Mark, let's go back there. You grew up in Ajax. Your parents, obviously, as you said, are not Christian. Your family's not Christian. What was it that drew you to Christ? What was that moment? And uh, how did that happen? Yeah, well, my grandfather is a Christian. He's 95 years old. So he prayed for me and prayed for me. Sent me, when my parents got divorced, sent me to uh, a camp up in Muskoka, a Christian camp. And that's really the first time I heard the gospel. And I kind of was really into it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would go there for, you know, three weeks in the summer. And God kind of worked, you know, setting seeds down there. And then when I was 17, 18 years old, a guy walked up to me at woodworking class and just said, you need to get your right, life right with Jesus, a guy named Chris. And uh, something just really connected. And I just started reading my Bible and got, the Holy Spirit just, boom, lit me on fire. And I just started telling everybody I knew about Jesus, uh, baptized some people in Lake Ontario before I was even baptized. So I'm not sure that's good ecclesiology. Uh, but anyways, it's kind of what happened. And uh, would just be preaching to people in the park and I just spent two years kind of being an evangelist out in the streets at one o'clock in the morning around my town with no church. I didn't have any church. I, I, I there no leaders around me, nobody giving me any kind of instruction. I'm just kind of reading the New Testament and trying to figure out what to do. So Mark, uh, you know, you've obviously written a book recently, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it a little bit uh, later on in the podcast, The Problem of God. You go through, you know, all the reasons people have an issue with God and so you're trying to, in part of Go Conference, you know, part of what we try to address is, hey, what are some obstacles? What are some uh, things that people say when you share your faith? What are things that are obstacles sure. to them in, in coming to faith in Christ? But you're saying it was something, it sounds supernatural. Like, did you have no questions? Were you, was in there a, a period oh, no, of, I... of, 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 you know, saying, is this even true? Like, what? what how, yeah, how, I actually had to come... Yeah, I had to come to faith, which is, you know, part of the beginning of the book. I had to come to faith through asking these questions and continue to because I'm, I'm a, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool skeptic at every level. So what I started to do was ask those questions scientifically about, you know, is there reasons to actually believe that God exists um, psychologically, philosophically, historically, literarily? Like, does Christianity and the marketplace of ideas actually have a shot at being true or the most right? Uh, in the midst of all the options. And so I had to wrestle through a whole bunch of skepticism um, as I started exploring as a, you know, my dad died when I was 15 years old. Wow. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting there dealing with that as a kid asking something feels disjointed about this. Something feels wrong about this. And it's stirring up all kinds. You know, I got Tourette syndrome as a kid when I was young, when I was nine or 10, when my parents got divorced and worked through obsessive compulsive disorder in high school. So you have all these kind of moments that the massive questions of meaning and morality and origins and destiny, all these things actually come about in your life. And, and so I've had to all, you know, cycle through all of those. Um, and so the book, when, it, when it's going through those 10 questions, they're all me. They're all things that I had to and continue to wrestle through. Um, like, for instance, you know, there's a lot of Christians who, who you know, want to rethink certain doctrines, like hell, for instance. Saying, oh, that's not a thing anymore and, you know, whatever. And what I find when I really dig into their story is these are people, for the most part, who were raised in a Christian home who got tired of conservative Christianity and they've got into their middle, you know, mid ages, 40 years old, and they're kind of bored and they need something to do. 
So they start to rethink foundational doctrines as if it's like new and, you know, something totally compelling, like people haven't been doing this for thousands of years. And uh, because they're just kind of bored with what their parents handed mm -hmm. them. Um, mm -hmm. I never had that. I, I was never handed this thing. I had to wrestle. So when my dad dies and doesn't know Jesus, the question of hell for me ain't some hypothetical thing. Right. that I'm asking about some people. I had to really go, is this a thing? And if it's a thing, what's the nature of it? And how, what, you know, that's per, that's my dad, you know? So, so I had to wrestle through and continue to wrestle through all these things as a skeptic. Um, but I came to see that this is the Bible's legit. Um, mm. Scientifically, the existence of God is actually having more evidence than it used to. As people delve into cosmology and biology and astronomy, archaeology, like, all of these things are actually pointing to rather than away from the existence of God more than they did a hundred years ago. Right. And so, yeah, so I had to wrestle through a lot of that. So I've been continued to. So if we have a listener out there who, I mean, we're talking about getting connected to God's mission, but for a lot of people, they may be in your place where they're like, okay, I'm still just trying to understand who God is in my life and, sure. and who I'm created to be. What would, would there be, uh, you know, maybe a couple points or is there like a key that worked for you as you began to explore who God was, who am I in Christ? Like what advice would you give to someone that may be in that place? Um, I would say that, um, you know, Augustine said that the Bible is the face of God for us now. And I think that honestly, if I was to look back at my story where I met God, was reading the Bible. And I know that sounds really like kind of, you know, whatever, cliche, yeah. but read the, read the New Testament. It is crazy. It is extremely powerful. And so I used to literally sit out with my, one of my best buddies was uh, a Wiccan witch. And uh, she was all in black garb. And I would sit out, we'd smoke a pack of cigarettes together and I'd be reading the Sermon on the Mount and she'd be reading some spells book. And, uh, and we'd be talking about the differences of what Jesus versus what her worldview was. And we were best buds and used to wrestle through this. And I literally spent the first, you know, bunch of years just, you know, smoking cigarettes, hanging out with my buddies. You know, I went from the guy smoking weed on Friday night in the garage full of everybody to three Friday nights later, I'm having to defend Christianity to the same garage full of people. Wow. Um, and so going from that life and then getting your heart changed and your mind changed, everything overthrown, and then going, this is either the most ridiculous thing, like Easter mm -hmm. and Christianity and Christmas, all this stuff. It's either the dumbest stuff that humankind's ever got, or it's the most important. I need to give everything in my life to it. Um, and putting, positing that for people um, almost overnight, that's kind of what happened. So I would say open up the New Testament. And an encounter and get pushed back um, in your life by Jesus. Actually, the Gospels and the, the letters, you know, these, this is, the Spirit uses this stuff in your life to confront you and change you. Rather than just listen to podcasts of so-and-so leader and blah, 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 philosopher or whatever. Like, encounter God through the Bible. It, that's, what I, that's what did it for me. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. You know, I was going to just say uh, also when you were talking about um, this idea of, uh, you know, people changing things, people changing the Bible, people changing um, the way uh, you know, theology is and, and, and yeah. the Bible, you know, the doctrines, you know, of the faith. 
a part of it is sometimes this this thought process that uh, if or that you know, a lot of those things are going to be obstacles in front of people uh, to them not coming to faith in Christ. So let's try to you know massage that down a little bit. Not yeah. This, emphasize that a lot and maybe sure. you still believe it but we don't want to talk about it a lot uh, because yeah. that could be quote-unquote offensive because we live in a generation sure. sort of offended at everything mm -hmm. and so it could be offensive so we don't want to offend anybody and let's try to reach people uh, by not talking about some of those things not talking about the wrath of God or the judgment of God or hell uh, and those things what what do you say to those people because that's what I hear a lot in our you know Canadian culture I don't know post-christian post-modern this idea that you know Christianity as it's been taught and preached uh, in the last 2,000 years is not going to work is not going to be effective in our culture especially with the millennial generation and so we need to change it we need to modify it to reach them yeah. <clears throat> oh, I just fundamentally disagree. And if, if you need data on that, just look at mainline churches. Mainline churches decided to, uh, denominations decided to change doctrine and they're empty. They're dead. Because here's what flourishes in the midst of a secular society. Orthodox, robust, countercultural, uh, the, the cost is high, uh, Christianity. Um, and so that's what's flourishing all over the world. Um, when you go to, I mean, the biggest move of the spirit in the history of time is happening right now as you and I are sitting here talking in China. The, historically, the fastest move of the Holy Spirit in the history of time. And they're not sitting around going, oh, Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. You know, it's just a good story about your life. Who wants to get out of bed for that in the morning? You know, but, but robust, like this is all legit kind of faith is actually flourishing all over the world. And I think it's, it's flourishing even in, it can flourish in Western culture too, because it's biblical. And I think what happens is we start apologizing or nuancing, compromising things, but people can read. And so they read the Bible and they go, oh, you're just one of those guys who's trying to make this more palatable. Uh, but I read your book and Jesus actually does talk about hell. So what's the deal? Why are you disagreeing with Jesus? <laughs> you know, and then the church is in this weird predicament where it has to try to explain why it's trying to, you know, nuance things or whatever. And what I've seen is, um, you know, uh, by the book, Orthodox faith and theology actually work because people see that we're trying to live under the authority of scripture, not the authority of our own whatever our cultural moment is. And I, I think it's very ethnocentric of us and, uh, and pretty shallow and naive of us to just take our cultural moment in 2017 to start elevating ideas and theology. Um, because I mean, it just historically has never worked. And you look down the line, those churches end up dying. Uh, people don't end up in them. It's just, it's just the reality. And you can look across Canada. It's the same thing. The churches that try to compromise with Canadian, you know, and, and experientially as well. I see a lot of young people come to faith in our church and a lot of young families. And it's not because we're compromising the gospel. We have pretty old school theology. Um, but so one of, the, one of the balances we try to do is be, uh, what we like to talk about is being theologically conservative, but culturally liberal. And mm -hmm. being, being people who 
are not afraid to engage culture and talk about mm-hmm. things that are, that culture is affecting. We're not going to our people. Okay. Cause the gospel is true. You can't, you know, watch breaking bad or something like that. Like that's not a thing. Like you can't mm-hmm. make that what the gospel is about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you know, but the Bible's always true. Hell's real. The wrath of God's a thing, you know, all of these kind of, uh, more old school theological points. I think the church needs to hold on to uh, pretty tightly, but we're seeing it, you know, like you said, 1200 people have come to know, uh, have have been baptized in the last seven and a half years on the West coast of Canada, which is, you can't even explain that. It's just the spirit. You know, when we do baptism in the park and a hundred people get baptized, um, you know, 50 of them on the spot or 60, you know, it's like, you can't even, you just trying to catch up with that. And it's not like we're getting up, you know, we're getting up and preaching the old school gospel about Jesus, real death, mm-hmm. his resurrection, taking on the wrath of God for you, dying for sin, all the rest of it and calling people to, uh, you know, discipleship. So I see it working and I don't think we need to compromise it in Canada. Well, you know what? I, I do think you're making a distinction though. You're saying you're theologically conservative, but you are <coughs> culturally, uh, you know, willing to become relevant. And I think when you look at the church as a whole in Canada, I know in the Toronto area, for sure, we have a lot of churches that have been around for a long period of time. And uh, many times you'll see people, you know, in their fifties and sixties, and then you'll see a lot of kids, maybe even youth, but then the young adult, you know, population is almost non-existent. And um, so that's part of the struggle. That's part of what a lot of uh, churches are grappling with is what do we do uh, to reach them? So, so, can you unpack that a little bit for us? What does that mean when you say um, you're culturally relevant? That, that, you know, I think a lot of churches struggle with that because over time we've created um, uh, legalistic uh, points of view on what the Bible means in our context today, which sort of made sense maybe 50 years ago, but it doesn't anymore. And so we're holding on to that, which is not necessarily a Bible issue. It's more a culture issue. So how right. do you do that? How do you... How do you connect at that level? I, I think it's it's the way. So if you can all agree that the theology is the theology, now the next step is how are you actually communicating the medium that that's coming through? And so, well, I believe in old school theology. I think what happens is that people end up looking um, uh, mean spirited mm. and judgmental and uh and hypocritical in the context of the church and of course kind of the millennial generation you know the one thing they hate is people who look hypocritical they don't connect to institutions organizations that don't hold their values and so one thing that i've tried to do is you know tim keller talks about the idea of of being winsome and persuasive and i think part of the issue is that from a from a communication standpoint we need to yes be teaching a certain theology, but it actually needs to be done, not mean spirited. It can be done with energy. It can be done with the cost of discipleship because that's really what they want. The young adults in my church don't want to be soft soul. They want to be told that they should actually go and die for this and to stop messing around and just, you know, looking at porn and making out with, you know, girls and whatever, like actually have a life, you know, get on mission. Don't waste your life being, you know, doing nonsense. Um, Believe these things but that means your life and it means your money. It means your time. It means your energy. They flock to that. They don't flock to like, Hey, don't worry. You're, you know, you're God's favorite person and you know, whatever, like this isn't, you know, they want the cost of the 
And I think, but doing it, not mean spirit or you're foaming at the mouth, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I, I guess one, one person has described what we do as, well, at least my communication style, which is, which, you know, is, is what it is, is that I punch and then play and I punch and then play. And so right. as a church, I think we do that. We come out with pretty, like, this is what we're being called to, but we have fun with it and we never take ourselves too serious. And, um, and we always, there's, there's an openness to work with people across denominations and theological spectrums. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying you get in some tight little box and you're like, okay, we've got it right and everybody else has it wrong. In Canada, we can't do that. We need to actually have a pretty wide way that we're working with each other around church planting and global mission and how to reach people and so on. Um, but the other thing is to not forget to be um, a biblical church in the sense that like we just preach through Bible books. And I think churches get, and I think why, and, and you know, they say that Martin Lloyd Jones back in the day in England, um, that 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 his church. Even have you ever heard like a, a audio recording of Martin Lloyd Jones? No. Okay, so he sounds like he's three hundred years old. Like literally, he's like, <laughs> um, open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter one. Like that's how he sounds. Okay. And supposedly his church was filled with young people in England. And the reason was, is because they could see that this guy wasn't just making stuff up on a whim, you know, doing these series on whatever him and his team had fun coming up with around the whiteboard. It was like, this guy's in Ephesians for four years and that's the authority mm-hmm. and he's not making it up. And so that's what we do. We, we've been preaching through Matthew for three years and I just go verse by verse through the book. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, and that's connecting and that's connected for years of what we've done. So I think these little fills, I think we rethink these things and think we need to come at people with all this new stuff. And actually a lot of the young generation connects into what's, what's kind of solid that I can grab a hold of in the midst of a culture that's kind of selling me a whole bunch of stuff every day. And if there are people that are not willing to take that punch, you know, you punch and play. So if they're not, if they don't like the punch, you're okay uh, with losing them. You're okay with them not coming back on a Sunday. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. That happens all the time. And you're willing to take that because I think that's part of the challenge. Sometimes we, yeah, we're of course, trying yeah. to, you know, I don't want you to leave. I want you to keep coming. So I'm going to, yeah. what can I do to facilitate, sure. you know, sure. you come Yeah, up. I mean, the reality is I'm sure there are people that say, you know what, that just doesn't work with me. I can't live. Oh yeah. That. Yeah, there's, well, I think Carrie asked me at some point, Carrie Newhoff asked me, what, what, why do people leave village? And the only thing I can, one of the things I can think of, it was a critique that came in recently was it's too intense. Right. You know, every, every week is like, you know, this is life and death. Be on the end of your seat. Give your life for Christ. You're all, you know, wasting your life in the suburbs with your four cars and you're redoing your kitchen. Like you should be. You know, and so it's like, holy smokes. You don't really say that, do you? Yeah, yeah, of course I do. Because <laughs> <laughs> what, this is the biggest thing in people's lives in the burbs is they're going to redo their kitchen. It's like, yeah. get a life. <laughs> so anyways, so yeah, there was a woman, I, you know, I like to tell the story. There was a woman early in our church life who came up and we were going to go to two services. Mm-hmm. And she said, we can't go to two services because that's going to be the, it's going to be end of community. And so I got up and preached a sermon and said, I didn't start a church for you to get more friends. I started a church because every day people die and go to hell. So if you don't want to come back, don't come back. And we went to two services and she was, you know, ticked off, but we grew by 50 people in a week. So if you're not willing to look out at people and say, look, if you've been a lifelong Christian and you're coming here so that you can have potlucks with your friends, that's not actually why we exist. Mm -hmm. We exist for mission 
and to do whatever it takes to reach as many people as possible in Canada. And sometimes it's going to make you uncomfortable. I mean, when I got up, here's a group of people um, across all of our sites. And we made the decision four or five months ago. One of the, one of the um, riskiest things we've ever done as a church is we went to a system where I only now, I was preaching a whole bunch of services. A bunch of them were video, a bunch of them were live. We got up to our church about four or five months ago and said, I will only preach once on a Sunday live. It's at the 8 a.m. service. Everything else, every other service of the other eight services are all video from the week before. So you literally, if you're sitting there at one of our services and you've been there and you're at the 1040 service, you're saying to yourself, okay, he'll never be on the stage live again. Should I continue coming here? And literally the church has continued to grow. And it's so, not even the sermon from that Sunday. It's the previous. No, it's the week before. Wow. Wow. So then, I mean, we do whatever. It's like, okay, this is going to make you uncomfortable. Hmm. You're, you're 65 years old. You've never watched a sermon on a video in your life. And you're too early to come to the eight. Is, is that guy going to leave? And what happens is our church over time, I think, has bought into the spirit of mission so much that mm. they've gone, this is what's necessary so we don't burn them out. This is what's necessary so people in Calgary can hear about Jesus. This is what's necessary. Okay, fine. And then three wow. weeks in, they don't even notice anymore anyway because they're looking at the screen anyway. You mentioned a 65-year-old. I'm sure some people are listening to us right now and saying, well, that's because he's got a bunch of 25-year-olds sitting in his church and that's the only people that he's reaching. Is that true? Well, or? If I had a bunch of 25-year-olds in my church, I don't think I'd have a, I'd a salary. <laughs> <laughs> you have yeah, no, there's, there's, real, there's people with jobs and right. grandchildren, a lot of right. them, and because they need, they need to be the leaders, mm -hmm. and they're training up. And, you know, we have uh, quite a big budget to be able to try to do what we do every year, and that's certainly not being paid by, you know, transient college kids. Right. So, no, there's wow. a lot of mature... 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 80-year-olds, people across them because they connect into the mission and they connect into the Bible teaching and they connect into the theology. I mean, here we are going through the Gospel of Matthew. I mean, what's more old school than that for a 70-year-old? I'm just exegetically going through a Bible book. You know, I'm not bringing in tigers to wrestle me in a cage to attract non-Christians or something. Right. So we're talking, you know, part of this podcast is talking about how do we help others discover God's mission? So you're talking, you know, really how it's not a sugar-coated <coughs> gospel. You're real with people. You need to get them out of our comfort zone. But what would you say to maybe pastors, someone who's trying to plant churches, leading churches, or just, you know, believers who want to passionately disciple others what are some practical things that your church does you know you're talking about when you're speaking on Sundays but throughout the week what do you guys this this discipleship you're obviously a very passionate person how do you um, help instill that into others into the members of the church getting them involved helping them disciple one another like what are some practical things you guys do yeah we try to build a DNA right from year one that if you're here for three or four weeks and you're not in a community group giving of your finances and actually serving in ministry and you're a Christian, I'm not talking to non-Christian skeptics. And every week we talk to skeptics um, and we just say, look, you're here, you're exploring just, you know, whatever. But um, if you're a Christian 
and you've been here a month and you're not serving in ministry, like you're actually weighing us down. And so we give this analogy that I, that I took from Wayne Cordero, but a battleship versus a cruise liner. Mm-hmm. And basically said on a battleship, everyone knows their role. They know exactly what they're doing. And there's no one around who's just walking around going, I don't know what to do. And they're like, if you're not on a gun or in the kitchen or whatever, get out of here. Um, and and the churches often run like a cruise liner where we just want people around mm-hmm. and they just consume religious goods and services and sit out on the deck and order, you know, drinks from people um, and don't do anything. So right from the beginning, we said, look, we're a battleship, not a cruise liner. Figure out your gifting, figure out where you serve, get on mission, get, become part of the church. So we've tried to build that in and we continuously preach that and just get people to try to serve in ministry. And then we have all kinds of outlets. We have a discipleship pastor who's building all kinds of systems around alpha and freedom session classes that we do. Uh, community groups are massive in our church, you know, um, probably 1500 adults in community groups every week. Um, you know, t- there's, there's this kind of this DNA that if you come here, you've got to serve in a ministry. Like if I'm talking to you in the mm-hmm. foyer, what do you do? Are you an usher? Do you serving kids? Are you on parking teams? Are you a community group leader? Are you mentoring anybody? If not, I don't know what we're talking about. Wow. That's, that's radical. And uh, obviously people are responding, you know, and I guess that's the call of Jesus when he said, you know, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. And it's not about what you want. It's about yeah, what and I want for your life. I think what I want pastors and church planners to hear in Canada is that it works. Like people want mm-hmm. to be called out of mediocrity. Right. You know, they want to be called out. They want to be told that like, look, man, there's, you know, people used to come to me and they go, Mark, you know, you're preaching three or four times every week. And I'm like, listen, there's guys in the jungle doing this 12 hours a day in Vietnam. Don't I'm living a very, I, you know, I get my Starbucks in between, sir. Don't worry about me. <laughs> you know, um, it just wouldn't, it, it stopped scaling because we had right. to do the other multi-sites. That's why we had to go. Yeah. To right. the one week delay. So, um, wow. there's people all around the world dying for this stuff, you know? So if you can't figure out like this past Sunday, we did a, a campaign where we're trying to raise, and it's the first time we've ever gone to our church in seven and a half years to ask for money outside of our operational budget. Okay. And so basically we put a chart up on the thing. We said, listen, every one of you has to give to this. Um, like I'm talking sacrificially, like the woman who gave her two cents that Jesus talked about, the whole premise of that isn't how much she gave, but it's how much she kept. And some of you are making 5 million a year and you're tithing 20 grand guys. That's nothing. You're not set. You're not even feeling that, you know, you need to actually figure out what you're doing, sell the house, sell the boat, you know, do what you need to do. Cause we need 10 million bucks by February, you know, and just looking at them and saying, here's what I'm calling you to guys to do. And you're kind of just a classic consumer of religious goods and services. If you're just sitting, you're not doing anything financially. We can't do it. Wow. You're weighing us down. You're burdening us, you know, and people tend to go, yeah, you know what? You're right. It was convicting. I'm crappy. I should probably do something. Mark and and is- of course that's conviction. It's not guilt. Yeah, no, it's so countercultural what you're talking about mm-hmm. and uh, what a lot of churches are trying to do uh, to be more, quote unquote, seeker sensitive or seeker aware. And, sure. uh, and I get it. We have to be culturally you know, relevant as well and connect with people. Sure, of but course. At the same time, calling people to a higher level or a higher kind of living. Uh, yeah. The Bible talks about. Uh, yeah. We're going to wrap up, but I want to ask you this question. There's a lot of young people that are listening 
uh, that are saying, man, I want to do something radical for Jesus. I want to give my life to ministry. One of the things we talk about a lot in the Toronto area is how a lot of our, you know, our Bible colleges don't have as many students as they used to. Uh, a lot of the churches that our ministry consults with, works with, uh, they have a hard time finding young people, younger people that want to go into into vocational ministry. I mean, what you did, you said, you know what, I want to give my life to this thing. Uh, and so I'm not sure if that's the same in the West End uh, of the country, but in, I, I know in the in the Toronto area and probably generally more so in Ontario as well, uh, that there is a famine in the land of younger people uh, getting saved and saying, you know what, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to give everything I have, my talents, my abilities, my skill sets, my intellect, uh, to serving God, to planting churches, to reaching people. And um, what would you say, I mean, you're in your 30s, which is, I mean, incredible. I'm, I'm uh, in my 30s as well, and, and Emily. So we're, we're all younger people, a younger generation. What would you say to our generation, you know, 25 to 40, when it comes to, challenging them to, you know, believe that God is a plan for Canada and that God can use their life to do something just what God's doing through you in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. I think a couple of things. The first is be, your, you know, we ourselves need to do ministry with such passion and vision that it's going to actually inspire people of a younger generation to want to do what we do. If we make it boring, if we make it all, you know, woe is me, um, Murder complex, there's no fruit, you know, this kind of, people aren't going to give, give their life to something that doesn't have joy and vision in it. Um, so we need to model how amazing this is that we get to do what we do yeah. and make it like so that they're jacked up so that they're like a, a dog on a chain and you got to hold them back from wanting to go out and, and get into this. And I think the class of church that Canada has with its uh, at times, low quality and excellence, you know, message off point, as you've been talking about, um, kind of not a huge vision, not, not on point in the values and the mission. That's not going to inspire them. They're going to go, you know, create an app and become a millionaire. What do they, you know, what do they care about this for? Um, but if we can somehow embody that kind of passion, mm-hmm. then I think they're going to be inspired by it. And then secondly, um, I think what churches need to do, if we're talking about a pastoral level, your church needs to spend time and energy and money actually resourcing and developing and get further down the stream than we've been getting. And so what we've done is you have to create, like we've created something called uh, the Village School of Ministry. So right now, last week, we took on 12 interns right out of high school. They don't know what to do with their life. They're in that year that they've graduated. So they come here for a full September till May. And we teach them hermeneutics, Old Testament theology, New Testament uh, ministry. They're all involved in a ministry. This is our second year. We're going further down the stream because if you get down to the 16-year-old, 17-year-old and start saying, I think you should be going into ministry, that's how you're going to get them. You can't wait until they're 21 and uh, uninspired and doing whatever their life. So I think you got to be really intentional. You got to spend time and money and resources on it. That's amazing. And I think that's, that's probably where a lot of us are missing. It. A lot of churches are missing it because we're uh, a lot of conversation that I hear as well. I'm, you know, going to the Bible college to see what's available there as opposed yeah, to it's too late uh, from within, uh, within our churches. So uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your book, uh, where people can 
get your book. I know it's come out. I haven't read it myself. I've seen the. Oh my goodness! So I know the content. Oh my! I, I, can't, I just can't. About. I thought. I, yeah. I know. <laughs> oh boy! I just. I'm it. just kidding, brother. Yeah. So it's it's called the problem of God. It's the uh, it's the ten kind of big skeptical challenges to Christianity: science, uh, hell, sex, God's existence, exclusivity, hypocrisy, the Christ myth, evil and suffering. And it goes through kind of these massive things that the regular Joe on the street says. These are the reasons I don't want to become a Christian. Mm -hmm. And the book was written, so it has this apologetic, but for the regular Joe kind of street level uh, vibe to it, where, you know, for the skeptic, it does have the science and philosophy that they're going to engage with. But for the regular Joe, it's going to equip them to be like, hey, this is what I'll go out with my buddy over coffee with and actually be able to show them that Christianity is actually rational in the marketplace of ideas and hopeful and truthful. Uh, historically, you know, there's a chapter in the Bible showing the Bible's legitimacy, you know, all these kinds of things. So I think it was written for the skeptic and for the Christian to be able to actually equip them. We're doing a sermon series on it right now. This stuff, historically, it's a book that came out of a couple sermon series that I, uh, that I preached on these same topics. And to this day, guys, people come up and go, that was this, that was the content that brought me to Christ. That was the question I had. That was, so, so it's a book really kind of written for that. And, uh, it's the kind of book that I want people to buy a bunch of, and then give to their non-Christian friends and go, let's hook up and go for, you know, a coffee or whatever it is you drink, uh, once a week, read this chapter and we'll go, we'll hammer it out and then read chapter two. We'll go hammer it out. And, uh, and that's where it's really, you know, people on social media are kind of telling stories about it wow. and how it's helping them. And so that's, that's a point. So you can get it at amazon.ca um, or .com, wherever you're listening, just type in the problem of God, Mark Clark, and uh, it comes up and you can order a Kindle or hard copy, whatever. Awesome. So yeah, if you're listening, please make sure to grab the book. It's going to be great. I'm sure we'll probably have copies available at the conference as well. If you're, uh, sure. if you're local and, uh, and you want to get it uh, at the conference. So Emily, uh, why don't you just wrap up and tell us uh, a little bit about Go Conference and, uh, and how people can uh, get there as well. Yeah, the Go Conference is coming up on October 13th and 14th. We have special guests like Pastor Mark Clark, Pastor Alan George will be there as well. We have a podcast with him. Um, so we're excited for it. And there's tickets available at goconference.ca. Awesome. Pastor Mark, thank you again for uh, yes, taking time to you. be on the podcast with us. We're super excited and looking forward to having you at the conference this year. Thanks for having me, guys. I look forward to being there. Now people understand what we mean by intense, right, Pastor Fernando? That was That's an incredible, right. incredible podcast with Pastor Mark Clark. And I think it's really a challenge to all of us to go, am I, you know, passionately pursuing God, not compromising the gospel, but really living out um, all that God's called me to. So, you know, that was great. We thank Pastor Mark for being here. If you're interested in his book, The Problem of God, uh, as he said, you can head to amazon.ca, just type in the book title, it will come up. So why don't you tell our listeners once again, how they can get tickets for the Go Conference? Yeah, well, you know what, obviously, I want you to have tickets to the Go Conference, friends, but I want you to know the reason we host Go Conference is so we can bring in speakers like Mark, because they're on the cutting edge of what God is doing in reaching mm -hmm. people 
people in Canadian society, you know, and what I love about Mark's story is he's born and bred in Canada, both, you know, from the Toronto area growing up and then now ministering and pastoring in the uh, West coast of uh, Canada. And I, I just believe that every Christian in our, uh, in the GTA, even, even further field needs to make time to come out and hear Mark and the incredible journey that God has taken him and village church on and uh, what he believes uh, we here in Canada need to do to communicate the gospel to our culture, which to be a frank, Emily, is so different from even our neighbors in the South. You know, mm -hmm. Canadian culture is so different uh, and becoming increasingly so than where American culture is. And so it's so important to be there. www.goconference.ca is the website. Please head on over there. Also, I want to remind pastors, if you are a pastor, we have a special meetings, a dinner on the Friday night, October 13th at 5.30 p.m. and a lunch session uh, on the Saturday uh, with our keynote speakers. So please make sure, and this is only for pastors and spouses, so please make sure that you head to the website and get that information. Uh, if you need further information, you can reach us at info at goconference.ca. That's I-N-F-O at goconference.ca for more information. Hope to see you there and uh, looking forward to an incredible conference. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Mission Connect. Join us next week. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.